Welcome to What If I Don't Like It, with your host Katie Baldessaro. This episode's guest will be Forrest Miller, from Movie Night Extravaganza, and the film discussed will be the 1939 American classic, The Wizard of Oz. seven film adaptations before the 1939 one with Judy Garland. Six were live action and one was animated. After that, there were 23 for a total of 30 film adaptations of the story itself. There are 16 TV adaptations and 17 theater adaptations. There's a 1987 Wizards of AIDS, a device to act as an educational tool on the syndrome for children. Todd McFarlane created a sinister toy series called The Twisted Land of Oz that portrays all of the characters as more sinister, such as Toto being a monster and Dorothy being BDSM. It's referenced in numerous different ways in music. Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Nirvana's Heart-Shaped Box, Blues Traveler's Runaround, Sarah Evans' Born to Fly, Della Soul's Ooh, Black Eyed Peas' I'm Be Rockin' That Body, Tech Nines, He's a Mental Giant, Naughty Boy with Sam Smith's La La La, The Scissor Sisters, Return to Oz. There's an insane clown posse, Wizards of the Hood, which has Violent J in the Dorothy role, and Shaggy Too Dope as the Scarecrow. Shaggy's brother, John Kick Jazz, as the Tin Man, and Kid Villain as the Cowardly Lion. They shoot the wizard and steal his car. Even Tim Burton almost did a Lost in Oz TV show in 2000. SNL did it eight times, Mad TV, NSC TV did it, Scrubs, Fame, the TV show, Sliders, Stargate SC1, Family Guy, As the World Turns, The Amanda Show, Bill Nye the Science Guy, That 70s Show, Farscape, Doctor Who, The Lex, All That, Donnie and Marie the Variety Hour, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Futurama, The Simpsons. For fuck's sake, we even got Apocalypse, which is a TV show that is basically the Wizard of Oz with zombies. One has to ask oneself, can a story jump the shark? This week's episode is going to be a bit of a format break, which is hilarious because this is episode three, so our format is still developing. Nonetheless, this week is kind of a pre-show teaser for tomorrow night's movie night extravaganza. For those of you who don't know, Movie Night Extravaganza is a live podcast on YouTube. You can also get it after the fact on anywhere where you would get podcasts, pretty much Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that sort of thing. I'm a frequent guest, and obviously I'm going to be biased, but I love the show and I love the crew over there. Shows are live every Tuesday at 8 p.m., unless the lovely Renee Ruin is a guest. Then they are on Fridays as she's in Australia, and timing for a live show with her on U.S. time is going to be a little different. Side note, Renee has signed up for an episode of the show with us, and I couldn't be more excited. So far on her lists of dislikes to explore, there's Adam Sandler, Matt Damon, Tom Cruise, and Ben Affleck. I'm secretly hoping she has not seen Legend, because 
when do I not want to talk about Tim Curry? For those of you who don't know Renee Ruin, type her name into Instagram, check her out, find her on Movie Night Extravaganza. The two of us were just on an episode about Ex Machina. Super fun. She's also a producer and director known for uh, The Night Shift, which is her show with Jenna Hayes and Bonnie Burton, where they talk about movies. And what's better than listening to three awesome women talk about movies? Frankly, in my opinion, very few things. So check that out. And I'm, again, so excited to have her on in the future. Anyway, back on topic. A few weeks ago, it came to light that I have not seen in its entirety The Wizard of Oz. And the team over at Movie Night Extravaganza was pretty astonished uh, that I'd made it this far in my life without actually sitting down and, and purposefully watching that as a child, or even just having someone make me watch that as a child. I kind of just repeatedly sidestepped and avoided seeing it. Since the film's one they have yet to cover, and uh, the very lovely Conan and uh, Christina are big fans of it, they want to have me come on and talk about having watched it as an adult, basically to see if there's any kind of, um, say, barrier to enjoying this film if you're an adult who has just seen it, as opposed to a lot of them are coming back to it um, and they're thinking like, wow, I really remember watching this with a loved one, my grandfather, my mom, uh, the songs had meaning to me growing up, and so I have a huge nostalgia factor for this. Is it still enjoyable if you don't have that? Cool, right? Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, except that all of my friends really like this movie, and I'm afraid that I will not like this movie. And what are the repercussions if I don't? I just want to clarify something right here. There are a lot of reasons you might not see a movie right away. Maybe you simply missed it in theaters because you were busy. Hell, maybe you weren't alive in 1939 when it came out. Um, Add in the delay from box office to rental streaming, and it can be even longer. Um, however, once you get over, let's say, about 25 years old, uh, there are certain classic movies that if you haven't seen yet, you're kind of like actively avoiding. This is especially true of classic children's movies, as these are often kind of shown to you without your ability to consent. Someone just kind of puts you down and you watch it, uh, like the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, uh, Christmas Story, any kind of Disney movie from the decade you were a kid, like mine are uh, The Little Mermaid and Lion King. So now you all know I'm, I'm roughly between 30 and 40 years old. <laughs> to many, the film that we're here to discuss today is one of those classic children's films, The Wizard of Oz. So how did I get to be 38 years old, grow up in the United States, and still have never seen The Wizard of Oz? It's complicated. But at its core, it's because of one of the scariest reasons people are afraid of the question, what if I don't like it? Which is, and everybody else does. As I mentioned at the beginning of this, there are a lot of adaptations, interpretations, references. It's impossible to exist in the zeitgeist, in the United States specifically, and not have experienced the Wizard of Oz story. Which also kind of makes me feel like I don't have to go watch The Wizard of Oz because I feel like through references, through clips, through film classes, I have seen The Wizard of Oz. I just haven't seen it in order. It's like uh, I almost have the memento memory version of it. I just got to get all the bits together and, and kind of figure it out. Uh, right now, if you ask me what I thought the outline of it is, it's... um. We meet Dorothy, she's upset on a farm, 
she gets her dog threatened, then she there's a tornado. Uh, the tornado causes her to wake up in the land of Oz on top of the Witch of the East. Wicked Witch of the East. Uh, kills her, gets her shoes. The good witch tells her to go find the Wizard of Oz. I'm not sure why, I guess. Um, she goes, she meets three people. The scarecrow, the lion, the guy made of tin. They try and find the Oz guy. They find the Oz guy. Um, the dog pulls the curtain away. He's a lying shigets. Um, they get sad. The good witch comes back. Says you had the power the whole time. Click some shoes. Bada bing, she's home. Honestly, I feel like it should be 45 minutes long. Anytime I find myself in an argument of tastes, especially with movies, I find it kind of comforting to think of the dude's famous line from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. We all get to like or dislike things for whatever reason we want. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like one of the things angels get pissy about us being able to do and they can't, but they can like fly and shoot, so it's fine. Uh, and yet there's like an echelon of films that as a filmmaker or an actor or actress, you can't critique without sounding like you're saying the emperor has no clothes. How can you approach watching a film that is so lauded and so awarded and clearly considered groundbreaking and clearly is groundbreaking? Whether or not you like a film does not dictate whether it won awards or is groundbreaking in whatever form of the industry it's in. Let's get that clear. So how do you approach watching a film like that? One that's influential, groundbreaking, necessary for filmmakers. I hope you could hear the air quotes there. Uh, when parts of you are kind of signaling that you may not enjoy it, it leaves no room for the safety of basking in its badness like we did last week with Bad Boys, a film that is undoubtedly influential, but definitely not deeply praised by high cinephiles. You can't really, you know, crack jokes there's no levity for breathing. It just kind of feels bad. You you get stuck in the silence of your own mind screaming, I don't like this, and then implying, what's wrong with me? Because everybody seems to really like this, and my whole body is kind of like cringe factoring 1000. I make horror movies, and I find that a pretty scary way to spend my time. So maybe it's understandable that this feeling would be enough to make me avoid seeing this movie for a long time. It also leaves in the space for me to say to people when they say like, oh, did you like The Wizard of Oz? Instead of saying, no, I didn't like The Wizard of Oz, I can be like a Schrodinger's cat. I, I exist in, in nothing. I can say like, well, you know, I haven't seen it, so I don't have to make a call yet. Of course, that inevitably means that I'm going to get glazed over with facts about why I should see that movie, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Honestly, in reaching out to people for the show, one of the most common themes on films being picked is this one. Guests want a safe space to finally explore if it's okay if they don't wind up liking Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, our next episode. And you know what? It fucking is. It undoubtedly is. Sometimes you meet people that can taste chocolate, they're eating the same delicious confection as you, and, and earnestly, they don't like it. I know, that's crazy for people. They're like, you you don't 
You don't want to yum my yum? I mean, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but sometimes I don't want to yum your yum either, to speak in the parlance of, uh, of kids. And, and you know what? The reason you might like it could be exactly the reason I don't like it. For example, I really don't like things that are in a high pitch. It, it kind of irritates me. It triggers my migraines. And as much as I like Guillermo del Toro, I was unable to watch his Pinocchio adaptation because the main character's pitch of voice was just too much for me. And yet I know people who are like, I love that cutesy little voice. So it's impossible for us to find a common ground when the thing that you like is literally the thing that I don't like. Another example, upon hearing about the show, a friend of mine said, okay, can you find a Quentin Tarantino film I like? And I asked, you know, which they had seen and why they hate them. Uh, they said Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and they hated the way the characters spoke, the tempo of the lines, and its punchiness. Whoops, that's, that's just you literally hating Quentin Tarantino as a director. If I could, and Red Writer, if I could find anything outside of that, I would just be finding maybe a rare occurrence in which he had not yet found his voice yet. It wouldn't really count as you uh, liking it. It would be like me finding a dish that just had the smallest amount of anchovies in it and you can't even taste them. You know, like I, I can't say somebody who cameoed in a movie is qualifying for a movie that you would like with them in it. You know, much as we discovered with Scott, his favorite Mike Myers movie is a movie where you've removed Mike Myers from it. But good on my friend for knowing themselves well enough to articulate that. But there's no room for me to find a Tarantino movie that they'll like in that. So, back to The Wizard of Oz. This episode's guest is going to include Forrest, as I mentioned earlier, from Movie Night Extravaganza, because he really likes this movie. It has a, a significant meaning to him in his childhood. And, you know, he's a really knowledgeable person on films in general, but specifically this film. We're going to have him on in the first segment. He's going to hype me up about this film. And then in order to see the second half where you find out if I do or do not like it, you're going to have to tune in to Movie Night Extravaganza. That's going to be easy for you to do. Don't worry. If you're listening to this live, it hasn't happened yet. If you're listening to this live, well, not live. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, because we don't do live shows, it's going to be the first. Tomorrow on the second, that's when Movie Night is going to go live at 8 p.m. You can join us. You can be in the chats and talk to us. Ask us questions. Engage with us. I would love to hear from you guys. But if you can't join us live on a Tuesday night at 8 p.m., don't worry. You can catch it on their podcast feed. And of course, all of that's going to be available to you in the liner notes. Anyway, without more ado, we're going to cut to Forrest. He's going to join us and we're going to find out more about why I should like it and less about why I'm telling you right now I might not. It's rabbit for your respect to me. The chipmunks genuflect to me. Though my tail would lash, I would show compass for every underling. Today we're joined by Forrest Miller, host of Movie Night Extravaganza, 
a show the audience has definitely heard me talk about on the previous two episodes so far. Hopefully, I've seen too because you've been on it like as a as a guest co-host multiple times. I'm underselling how many times I've mentioned it in the only two episodes we've had so far. It's been in hmm. both the links of the show. But yeah, I mean, it says that you're the host on your CV, but I also feel like you're a lot more than just the host. Was was Movie Night your idea? Did you start it in 2001? We, we started it in 2021. It was my idea, but then I very quickly, the first person that I like recruited to help out with it was Andy. So it, yeah. it, it was that fast. So Andy and I kind of came up with it together, I guess. Mm-hmm. um you know just just as a way to like uh watch movies and talk about them like it wasn't like i wasn't expecting to be doing this in 2023 i was like i'll have a job by then. <laughs> it's episode 199 in january yeah i think it's episode because this is, this is going to be 194 okay so i think so 199 is either going to be in january or maybe february okay. so we're getting very close to 200 episodes that's like yeah that's like Simpsons levels. <laughs> now the Simpsons are on like episode 2,300. And... Yeah, they're, they're in the 1,000 marks. But it does feel like, you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of episodes to be putting out for a, a long time. That's pretty impressive. And, you know, basically every show you talk about a different movie, you kind of break it apart. It's, it's kind of like hanging out with your friends and talking about a movie. I mean, that's what it really was going to be. And I mean, I'd like to think it still is, but... You know, now we have people that at some point we were like, oh, shit, like the guests on this are bigger than, you know, I mean, well, not Conan. I mean, you know, Conan's is his own animal. But, you know, besides Conan, like, oh, the guests are kind of bigger than me and Andy are by a long shot. Conan's kind of like the maven of Internet podcast people where, like, he just knows everybody, it feels like. He's been doing it for, I think, nine or ten years. Like, he's been he's been doing it since, I think, like 2014. Damn. He's going to come on uh, for our episode the day before Valentine's Day to talk about Moonstruck, which is a romantic comedy that he hasn't seen. He doesn't like romantic comedies, and I, I think I'm going to get him with that one. one. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with uh, Liza Minnelli? Or, That's the one oh, no, with Cher and Nicolas Cage. She won the Oscar yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I watched that. So I watched Moonstruck in a class. Oh, yeah. I it's it in, in the AFI. Yeah. I watched it in a screenwriting class. That's yeah. What did you what did you think about it as far as deconstructing the script for it? I mean, I'd have to watch it again to like really. I I just remember uh, remember Nicolas Cage being pretty fucking Italian with his you know with his <laughs> tank top and like <laughs> yeah, his chest hair goes out like a full two inches. Um, you forget his name is his name is Nicholas Coppola. Like Coppola, he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his name yeah, is not he, Nicolas Cage. He earns it. And he does his crazy cage yelling cadence. So it's kind of fun to see that so early on. Yeah. I would I would also very much like to have you come back on again for an episode where we have you watch a movie that you wouldn't necessarily like. Do you know any idea what that might be for you? Um, yeah, I have to think about it. There's Yeah, no worries. I'm I'm not like I'm not a huge sci fi person. Like I feel like a lot of sci fi movies I haven't watched. Okay, that's a good, that's a, I feel very strong in that lexicon. So we'll, we'll toss some ideas back and forth and see, see what we All get. Right. You just, you can just pick one and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, tell you if I've seen it or not seen it. The problem with that is I played this game with Conan and it, it took like forever before I got to yeah, where like he had Conan's seen watched, it. Conan's watched way more movies than I have, I think. I feel like he watches two movies a day easily. Yeah, and I definitely, 
I, lately, lately, unless we're doing like an episode on something, I don't even. <laughs> I got the I got the 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 straw the straw man on my uh on my on my audio avatar now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes. There's, there's like all these like older i think they've got to be like older people on twitter that love putting the uh the scarecrow as their you know because wizard of oz we're talking about it um as their mm-hmm. like twitter avatar and then they're like oh i'm the straw man i'm you know because people are like always straw manning each other online mm-hmm. like you know where you know like the yeah <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say that the image is striking at a part of why i think i might not like this movie the costumes are you know how you see photographs of kids from the 50s dressed up for halloween and you're yeah. kind of like that's really scary looking a lot of it has a like Ugh, kind of factor oh, about it oh, the 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 wizard of oz is kind of like there are parts of it that are fucking horrifying the uh the, the flying monkeys that surround you know that, that are they eventually end up being cooler than you think they're gonna be but the flying monkeys kind of terrified me as a kid okay yeah. so there's so, this would be supposed to have scary the, parts yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was terrifying to watch as a kid. So what I'm curious about with you watching it for the first time, right? Like this movie is so imprinted upon me as like as being a kid going to my grandma's house, the first VHS I ever remember her getting to watch, you know, to entertain the kids as they run around and like fix dinner or whatever was The Wizard of Oz. So this movie has such an imprint on me as a kid. My grandpa would sit me on his lap and sing King of the Forest because, you know, so like the cowardly lion and and my grandpa are kind of who like you know passed away when i was like nine are kind of fused together a little bit in my mind because he liked that character a lot so there's such a a symbolic i guess part of it for me for my childhood and everything so i'm curious uh you know when you watch this not having all of that and not having those those memories because like i don't know in chat yesterday christina was watching it and was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm crying. Like, I'm crying already. Like, you know, like there's already like there's just something about uh, watching The Wizard of Oz as a kid, and also probably why people are so screwed up now as adults is <laughs> because The Wizard of Oz is it's kind of a terrifying kids movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I have no shortage of terrifying and inappropriate movies I was shown as a child that were labeled children's movies. I think The Last <laughs> Unicorn is is the perfect example of that. It is my favorite movie from being a child. And it definitely scarred a lot of people that I know. So I, I can, I can judge. Labyrinth mm-hmm. is another one I feel like a lot of people watch as a kid. That yeah. <laughs> David yeah. Bowie's copies scarred them. <laughs> that one or Dark Crystal. That that you know there was a definitely even a never ending story. The the boom yeah. that you have to walk past those two statues, and of course the part with the horse in the mud. Who didn't get messed up by that? Never Ending Story was my favorite. Is is another one of my favorites as a kid. I mean, Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I kind of uh, you don't you don't think about how much you like watch certain movies as a kid until you like think back on it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was in the play of The Wizard of Oz. I was Oz when I was twelve. I went to a summer theater camp, and wow. they had me playing Oz. So like this movie just, but like I don't think about it that often, right? Like I think oh, The Wizard of Oz like it's a good movie, but it's like a kids movie. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just it's fused mm-hmm. with a part of my childhood i guess so it's like that's the first thing that i think about it but then i'll also defend it to the death because yeah (laughs) well what i think is so funny is like i don't have any like biases against seeing it it's not like i've been actively like somebody said we're gonna put on the wizard of oz and i was like don't you dare i just kind of like sidestepped it again and again and again which is particularly funny because my aunt who uh was born in italy and came over here um shortly after the second world war was super super into classic cinema 
and and that whole period of time and and Judy Garland and she loved this movie and yet I was just like "Mm, I don't know I would always stand up and leave the room and do something else like it just was Teflon for me and I, Mm. I never sat down and watched it I never had the attention span for it but I'd seen scenes I mean like I'm doing a little bit of research into how many times people use or reference this, and it is astronomical. I mean, it's almost like yeah. like a biblical story with how many times people talk about or people play it out in their show. It's even more culturally ubiquitous than the references because like there's stuff like like the legend that if you play Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz, it sinks up. Like it's stuff like mm-hmm. that, which is definitely not I don't think Roger Waters is smart enough to plan that out. But you know, like <laughs> I was gonna say it's no. a really cursed set. So, like you were, you were mentioning all the stuff that happened during filming to people. So it kind of has this like wanted desire for it to be, even though it's for children, somehow really subversive in a way that you don't know because people people sold parts of themselves to make it. Well, it, it goes even uh, even even farther back than that. I was learning that um, L, L, L Frank Baum, like the guy that wrote it died of a stroke before he could ever make like that he wanted to make a movie of the wizard of oz mm-hmm. he died in 1919 and his son tried to make one in 1925 and the partner that he chose to make it with him went bankrupt and actually died three years after making it because of his bankruptcy had been so bad on him and his mental health and his physical health that the guy was dead within three years and because nobody mm-hmm. really wanted to watch a movie of the wizard of oz in 1925 like these things go in cycles so the reason that you know they really ended up making it was snow white came out for disney and that was the first live like the not live action but the first like live you know full-length disney movie that they did as a cartoon because there's also like mm. return to oz which i do not recommend watching that movie scarred me <laughs> as a kid even though we andy just told us it is available streaming right now yeah well that the can... return to oz has like a scene in the beginning where she gets electroshock therapy and i watched <gasps> it when i was nine or ten years old and you just watch darcy get <laughs> electroshock she's turning from oz and she's saying like oh you know she's telling everybody the story and they're all like no nah, this broad is crazy oh my god <laughs> like, you, know, you hallucinated so- that dorothy <laughs> that's so funny because you're saying like nobody wanted to watch the story of this for the first like for as long as the writer was alive and yet now we can't stop fucking making it over and over and over like why do you think it's compelling as a story or do you think it's just nostalgia I mean, I think it's compelling as a story. Uh, L. Frank Baum, and I'm reading the, the the Wizard of Oz book, which I did as a kid too, but I'm reading it right now for our episode. And like, he was very inspired by like Brothers Grimm and uh, mm-hmm. Mother Goose. He wanted to take all of those, you know, children's stories mm-hmm. and turn them into like the world onto themselves. So there's something mm-hmm. that I think uh, resonates like symbolically almost with generations mm-hmm. and generations of generations of these kids that you know they hear the stories for, either from like their grandma or their parents or you know they buy the books of you know the Brothers Grimm stories like those stories get keep like people keep making them over and over again. And this is kind of uh, inspired by those. So I think, I don't think we can stop making any of these stories really. No, it's reached like a parable level. It's, it's almost a shorthand. Yeah. They're teaching, like teaching everybody what, what to do and what not to do. Right. Like those, those brother Grimm stories are almost terrifying in, in like mm-hmm. cases. I mean, I had a German grandma, so she was very, <laughs> the, you know, that was her thing. Like, she loved the stories where, like, you know, the the wolf eats the eats the grandmother or whatever eats the kid in the end. Or like, you know, she she loved yeah. the horror stories. She liked the little contrapasso. Who doesn't? 
I mean, and you were saying that the books are a little bit more violent than this movie is. Yeah, like the the story of the Tin Man is that um, in each case, right? Like he 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 got a curse placed on him because the the reason that he wants a heart in the book is that, uh, and I'm, it's probably good that they took this out of the. I don't know how you could show that without terrifying an entire generation of kids. But <laughs> the what he fell in love with this Munchkin girl. In in the book, the Munchkins are not that much smaller than regular people, right? Like the movie kind of gave us that idea. They're like small, but they're like not, you know, not like as small as they are in the movie. It's so more uh, of like a halfling. Yeah. So so he falls in love with this munchkin girl. He's like, you know, living in like the munchkin. Area. And um, the girl says, all right, well, chop down the biggest tree and make this amount of money and you can marry me and take me away from this lazy old fat woman that I live with. And <laughs> then the woman's like, I don't want to lose my munchkin girl who does all my chores. So she goes to the Wicked Witch of the East because, you know, there's the one that's the one that gets crushed by the house. And <laughs> she goes to the Wicked Witch of the East and he uh, she curses his axe. So each time he cuts down this tree, he loses one of his limbs. And then eventually he loses like, you know, his head. And each time this he goes to this uh, woodsman who like, you know, lives near him or this. No, he goes to, like this. The tin guy, you know, the guy that fixes things like the uh, mm -hmm. think of the, the name, but it's like blacksmith. So, yeah, like a, a tinsmith, I guess, would be the. Mm -hmm how they call it in the book but so he goes to the tinsmith and each time he you know he puts his arm back on or he puts his leg back on or he puts his head back on and finally you know he gets cut in half and he gets fused together by the the tinsmith who i guess is just kind of walking around the woods with nothing to do they don't really he's got a <laughs> got a guy he, he can go to yeah. you know, put his kids to college with this one idiot <laughs> well, that's interesting but then you know, he doesn't have a heart. There's also a satirical level to all of it, right? Because mm -hmm. all of them have the things that they claim that they don't have. Like, throughout mm -hmm. the book, especially, like, the Scarecrow is the one coming up with all the ideas. But, you know, he's like, I don't have a brain. And he keeps saying, like, Ma, I wish it, like, think about how many ideas I could come up with if I did have a brain. Like, there's just a very, there's something very funny to it. Or, like, the, you know, anytime an animal or, like, something around him gets killed, like, you know, the Tin Woodsman starts crying. But he doesn't think that's because he has a heart. He thinks he's actually you know um going out of his way to you know feel emotion because he doesn't have a heart and he knows that everyone else does have a heart so they would feel bad but since he doesn't have a heart he needs to feel extra bad and it's like so there's something very mm. uh very satirical about it i also think that the movie is kind of like a fever dream and i think mm -hmm. people like that about it it's easy it's easier to watch than i think like a straightforward kids movie as, as someone who's about to go into this without the nostalgia and not exactly a whimsical child, what would you say to hype me up for this? What, uh, what are your favorite First parts of, all, of I, it? I, I don't think that this is necessarily a whimsical movie. Like, there's okay, like so, the, uh, okay. You know, I, I think that it gets classified as a whimsical movie because they're singing, but mm -hmm. I don't think, number one, like the, the Munchkins are all, you know, they're all little people. Like they found little people from all yeah. over the country and there's something very uh, almost kind of grotesque about how they make them up and how they both look like kids and adults at the same time like the flying monkeys are fucking horrifying like i, I think mm -hmm. yeah, i was terrified of them as a kid and you know it's just it, there's something very dark about it and i remember and, and mm -hmm. watching it again this week you know for the first time since i was a kid like i was like yeah this is this feels darker than i remember okay i'm kind of into that uh, that that would be a little bit more of an interesting angle than than trying to be like, well, this was a fun movie. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd, I'd also I'd also say you should probably remember, you know, it's it's 1939. Like this is one of the, mm -hmm. you know, this is like one of the first uh, Technicolor movies that did as well as it did, right? Because a lot of the first Technicolor movies are lost. Like I was trying to go down the list of all the ones that, so like everything that's like uh, like Cinecolor or all like a lot of those things, like they're just lost. Like they're either, there's either just black and white, and they have to like fix them up later, or there's um. 
or they've lost them completely. So this is like one of the first surviving, you know, even though they had been doing it for decades, like one of the first surviving, like really beautiful Technicolor dreams, I guess, Technicolor dreamscapes that you kind of see in front of you. So I, I think that reminding mm -hmm. yourself of that uh, mm -hmm. throughout it is a good part of it too, because it's, it's watching like a landmark achievement in cinema. And actually the director of this, um, Victor Fleming, Mm -hmm. he th there's like a rotated group of directors but like the main director kind of uh was kind of kicked out of well he he, he kicked i think he kicked out they came back and then uh ended up um going to direct gone with the wind which was the other you know major motion picture mm -hmm. they were working on at, at, at the same time which is three and a half hours i haven't i've never seen the yeah. entirety of gone with the wind but that's like their that's like their landmark movie right like it came out the mm -hmm. same year as uh wizard of oz same studio same director pretty much same directors because the director before Victor Fleming left to go work on Gone with the Wind. They fired him from Gone with the Wind and uh, hired Victor Fleming. <laughs> That's crazy. That That is definitely making sure you get opposite audiences because Gone with the Wind, which I have sat through, and it feels like you know, if you're going to sit through it, you're going to do it once because it is immeasurably long, um, is not for children. It's like the complete opposite of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Well, yeah, I definitely was going to say there are caveats to putting on a movie that is this old that you definitely have to excuse. Like, even though the costumes are a little weird to me, like the munchkins are going to look a little weird to us. You have to understand the time and the place. Um, and yes, I did. <clears throat> I did remember that this was one of the first like big colored uh, films. So when you were watching it to see all that happen, would be quite insane. The first time you saw a colored film, that would be quite notable. Yeah. I mean, and there were color films before this, but I don't think that they had the mass audience. Like, this is like mm -hmm. filmmaking, you know, kind of cruising into being like the mass uh, consumptive media form that we would mm -hmm. understand it to be in Hollywood. Kind of like, uh, you know, like David O. Selznick, the fucking speed freak that uh, was the producer of Gone with the Wind. Like, this is this is the mm -hmm. heyday of like, you know, some of the biggest names. I mean, Louis B. Mayer, like the biggest names in cinema from, you know, the golden age of cinema um, mm -hmm. kind of came out of like, well, especially this year, like, uh, you know, 1939, Wizard of Oz. Judy Garland then became one of the top 10, um, like, you know, more than anyone else in, in Hollywood at that time. Like, she was making one of the top 10 salaries. Like, Yeah, this made her renegotiate the way her contracts were done, something about mm -hmm. that, it, so that she got more money. I do know she did wind up still leaving with a horrible addiction to, like, uppers and downers because they were, yeah, because they were riding movie. her crazy because of this movie. They elvis her. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like, when like, oh, don't worry. Like, you can just kind of take this to wake up. And then they would give her pills to wake mm -hmm. up. And then, you know, like, pills to come down. Like, like, they, mm -hmm. like they did with Elvis. Like, she, she had how, Elvis addiction. How old is she in this film? 17. And she 17, got, okay. Multiple times on set for this, like, during this movie. <laughs> Uh, the woman playing the witch was lit on fire by accident because her makeup had copper and and other things yeah. in it. There's there's three big there's three big accidents. Uh, one of them is the guy from um, the Beverly Hillbillies, Ed Clampett, was originally supposed to be the Tin Man, and he inhaled by accident. He inhaled the paint that goes on his face, and it was uh, aluminum, like aluminum dust. So mm -hmm. he ended up in critical mm -hmm. condition in the hospital. Margaret Hamilton's copper paint got lit on fire. And uh, they all the snow and everything in the movie was asbestos. So there's like oh. three big like so chemi chemical related <laughs> epidemics that came out of this movie. Oh my I god! Mean, just just for the amount of pain that you know you're seeing in front of you on the screen, knowing the story behind it, I feel like is like you have to pay you know homage to this movie because it's like 
people really fucking suffered to make it. Not um, like today when there are all these rules and regulations that are, you know, bringing Hollywood down. <laughs> people going on strike and stuff. Well, you know, you can cheat in the AI however you want. Nobody can get sexually assaulted on the set anymore like Judy Garland. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I was so mad to hear that the paint they put on the woman was so toxic. But then I was also thinking, like, they did that to the woman in Goldfinger, too, which was the 60s. And then they kind of messed up Rebecca Romaine Stamos when they did her the blue stuff for, like, we just don't care. I feel like bodies are not meant to get painted to that level. Like, that's the last so that, thing that... Although the blue man group seems to do it all right, unless you know they just keep dying every couple of years and they don't tell us because who knows who's in that group. I've seen them, I've seen them, uh, you know, and I think I even got to say hello to one of them at the because <laughs> I, I saw them on Broadway. Ooh, brush with sheer uh celebrity. <laughs> It'd be funny to get one of them to come on the, <laughs> the show. I'll be like, no, this is this is a celebrity, you were it's a blue man. <laughs> Well, you guys had the um, from Devo last week talking about uh, 2001. Yeah, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a blue man. It's pretty. It feels <laughs> like in in the same sort of like flavor spectrum, you know. Yeah. We'll keep reaching uh, for a blue man. We'll get one. I <laughs> I have to like every time now I think about the blue man group. Though I think about Tobias from Arrested Development. And impossible to not think of having blue, blue oneself. <laughs> See, oh, those, those are those are Tobias level celebrities. That's how you know when you've made it. That's when you get the like two thousand views. Although blue men do not speak, is that correct? Yeah, they don't speak. They just okay. They hit the drum. So, they hit the you know. They do the technically. That's why they have to learn um, how to make all the percussive sounds. You know. We could just put a still of a blue man in one of the cameras and no one would ever know we didn't actually have a blue man on that week's episode. I'm just saying, like, you know, just like a, one of those loops. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say you get up to, like, move. They have a gif of, like, a blue man doing this. So you're like, oh, you're yeah. really jamming this whole thing. Thank you for yeah. coming on, Mr. Blue Man. Mr. Awesome blue job. Man. Really? Mr. Blue Man, <laughs> Harvey Blueman. But yeah, I I would definitely I would recommend you watch uh, Wizards of Oz. I think it's going to be a good conversation <laughs> e either way. Although I'm pissed if you don't like it, but I, I think I'm... I think it really it's one of the great fever dream movies. Really, like it truly <laughs> is. Like one of the great movies that you come away with it being like, the fuck is it? Like the fuck did I watch? Like I remember even being a kid and kind of being like, this this is weird. Like right? Like this is like a lot of the stuff in this movie is pretty fucking weird. Like <laughs> yeah, what did an adult just show me? Um, I did say to you guys in the chat that I think I might be watching a cursed version of this movie uh, because I, I looked at my DVDs this morning and there's a copy of it on my DVD shelf that I didn't buy and my husband didn't buy and we don't know how it got in our house or when it got in our house, but it just magically appeared to us as we need to watch it today. Um, so like, you know, it may not matter if I like it or not. I may be dead by the end of the evening. <laughs> just going to throw it out there, you know. It does have like 11 extra hours of footage on it, though. So if I make it through, I'll learn a lot about the movie. <laughs> Is it like the documentary, uh, like making of type of thing? It's it's everything. It's like talking to the friends and the family afterwards. It's the making of. It's lost footage. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that I'm sure Andy's going to watch for us so that he can he can info dump when we talk <laughs> on movie night. So I'm I'm not going to step on his toes. I'm going to let him do that. <laughs> Well, there's been a lot of like, uh, and I noticed this also with 2001 when we talked about this, like, you know, every 10 years they get everybody together when it's a classic movie and they're like, 
So the making mm-hmm. of this movie, talk a little bit about it. So one of the ones I saw was, uh, and I have this like grabbed for the episode. Uh, they had all the all the Munchkins, <laughs> the surviving Munchkins. Oh my anyway. god! They like interviewed a bunch of them. They're talking about how much like I guess Margaret Hamilton would just hang out with the Munchkins. Like she decided not to hang out with like the other. I mean, she loved everybody on that movie. I think that was like her first big. Like she really leaned into it. Like she was on Sesame Street as the Wicked Witch mm-hmm. of the West, and mm-hmm. the episode of Sesame Street was so traumatizing that they banned it. I love the. I love to find out that she was so nice. She's like the kid who played Joffrey yeah. on Game of Thrones. Like just a really good actor, a lovely person. That's that's nice. Yeah, I mean the Wicked Witch. I feel like it's like kind of it's it's comic evil, right? Like it's not in the same way that something like I guess well Willy Willy Wonka I guess is a little bit more sardonic and less. Uh, but like you know, it's like an almost comic over the level over the top level of like children's character where you don't really feel like the evil i think in the same way that would make margaret hamilton not appeal to you i guess or whatever like she seems like she was having fun with it that's what i'll say she seems like yeah. she was having a good time doing the really uh, over the top like i'll get you my pretty and your little dog too and like you know her monkeys are scarier than she is I'm into margaret that. Hamilton was like a she started out as a school teacher and oh wow she ended up yeah, so she ended up going from being a school teacher to being uh, a character actress who was very underappreciated. Like she's in a few things, but like they kind of didn't utilize mm-hmm. her. And there was supposed to be a different woman playing the, you know, the witch. I think I think it was someone that was in Snow White even, and they didn't mm-hmm. want that much overlap between the two movies. So at the that last minute, they cast Margaret Hamilton. So I think she was having a blast, being like, "This is gonna be big." Like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna get gonna, my done. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's she died about- out on making appearances mm-hmm. on things for the rest of like her her life like she was you know she was on everything from sesame street to like all the variety shows she'd make appearances mm-hmm. as the wicked witch like everybody that was in this really leaned into the oz culture that came around but i guess how many like how many big uh i mean that aren't something like gone with the wind where it's like you know you just kind of see clark gable hanging out and all fucked up <laughs> you don't see that kind of stuff happen again until like sci-fi people where like a uh, brent spiner is going to he can yeah. make the rest of his career of showing up as data at different places. It's yeah. it's a strange thing to do but you you can do that as a character actor just land in one character so well you just do appearances for the rest of your life. For um, sure. Yeah. I did see that this is like the 80th anniversary cuz there's a Fathom events coming up where you can watch this movie in the in the movie theaters again. This is the 1939 to Oh no, that's not 80th. Yeah, it's eighty fifth, I guess. Eighty fifth, that's what it is. Yeah, and it's also the, but it's also the Gone with the Wind eighty fifth. That's got to be crazy. Like you could be like the Oz fandom, and then you're like, yo, but fuck Gone with the Wind. Like you have to I have an intermission if you have Gone with the Wind. Yeah, like it's either yeah. be like it's either put them in like the same movie theater, and like they get a rivalry between them. <laughs> I know the first the first director, uh, George George. Uh, Cuker or whatever like that that the guy that was like the first director he ended up leaving going on to gone with the wind getting fired from gone with the wind by you know a speeded out <laughs> david mm-hmm. like who was just popping fucking um like the uh what, what is like not not barbiturates but the other one that they had oh benzedrine he was just popping benzedrine tablets constantly throughout the making of it that's why i think that's how it ended up becoming so long and he was like an extremely hands-on fucking producer like he was in there and so david l selznick fired him and then victor fleming was like i'll do it and they're like but you still have to direct the of Oz." he's like no it's pretty much done we're just doing reshoots so he got hired on to finish uh gone with the wind and then he got his name put on the marquee as the director but then his friend um 
like King Vidor or whatever, like the, the, the guy that he had that was like kind of his under. What a person. name. That's a great yeah. name. So he, he didn't get his name put on the Wizard of Oz. Like, oh. <laughs> so I'm, I feel like I'm pretty hyped up to see this movie now. I, I really appreciate that. Right. Uh, do you have anything Look you want to say? See how many uh, directors Gone with the Wind actually had? Five directors and 13 writers. Jesus fucking Christ. That's always a sign of a good movie. I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's just it's just immeasurably long, and it's kind of yeah. slow. And so by the time you make and, it to uh, the intermission, it's like I just you don't want to make it any further. I think I saw like half of it when I was when I was like really young, and I don't think this is too long. But um, what what I was gonna say is uh, you know, my final thought on this is uh, it's it's half the length of it's 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 half a Gone with the Wind. You can you can make it through it. Exactly. If you find yourself a little bit tired, just remember you could still only be like an eighth of the way through Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think look at it. is uh one forty and Gone with the Wind is like three hours and twenty minutes. Yes, it is. It's only an hour and forty, so it's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Thank you again so much for coming on and talking to me about this. And I'm I, of course, like I said at the beginning of this, you can catch the back end of whether or not I wind up liking this and whether or not I'm still Forrest's friend and allowed to come on movie night extravaganza. <laughs> imagine if imagine if that was like a because we've like there's been like a couple people we've banned like no. over the year. Like it'd be funny if that was a bannable thing. It's never been because they didn't like a movie other people liked. But <laughs> <laughs> like she didn't like the Wizard of Oz. She hated yeah. the Wizard of Oz. She said got to surrender Dorothy and she surrendered. Yeah, it's like it fuck like, you guys and fuck you for liking that movie. How dare you make me watch it? No. Well I did tell um, a I did tell a, a film critic that died in nineteen forty five to kill himself. <laughs> I forgot about that. But you know, I think it was somewhat deserving. <laughs> um yeah, so I I will see. I'll probably I'll find something nice to say at the very least. I think you're gonna All like right. it. Yeah, I, I think I, you're, I, over, you're overthinking. You know, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, if 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 I find myself more than halfway through and not enjoying it, I'll just eat a gigantic edible, and then I'm sure I'll just slide through the rest of the movie. The second half of the movie is where the fucking evil, the, the flying monkeys are. No! You really want to? <laughs> you really want to take an edible and then? <laughs> so much for Gertz. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to rethink that. I'm not going to thank you for the warning. I will not do that. And audience, <laughs> heed that warning as well if you are watching it with me. All right. Well, we're going to cut out here. Again, you'll join us on Movie Night Extravaganza. The link will be in the liners for this. It'll be, if you're listening to this live, it'll be tomorrow. If you don't know when you're listening to this, it'll be on the 2nd of January. Uh, it'll yeah. also be available <laughs> streaming afterwards if you don't listen to it live. Uh, again, I'm Katie Baldessaro, and this has been Forrest Miller. And thank you so much for joining us. Did you hear that? He'll announce us at once. I've as good as got my brain. I can barely hear my heart beating. I'll be home in time for supper. That's it. That's the show for this episode. Like we said a couple of times, if you want to find out if I liked the film or not, you are going to have to join us on Movie Night Extravaganza's feed, uh, either live on the 2nd at 8 p.m., joining us on YouTube, or uh, catching it after the fact on uh, any kind of podcast service. Just look up Movie Night Extravaganza, or again, check the liner notes for this. It's going to be a real fun time. It's got a very kind of like just chill, hanging out with your friends kind of vibe. You can join us in the conversation by uh, signing into YouTube and, and commenting along with us. 
it's it's fun these are the people who got me started doing what i'm doing right here right now so i'm i'm really happy to be able to bring you all there so you can get to meet them because i am just going to keep talking about them throughout the show so if you don't have any context it's just going to be weird guys all right thank you so much i look forward to hearing from you and seeing you on the show live on the second